You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 54, answering your questions on summer stock auditions, EMC points, typing, burnout, and more. Let's get started. Hey friends, it is Maggie Barra here. Welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, then welcome. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Tribe. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Today's episode is brought to you by my Build Your Musical Theater audition book online course. Now, as a musical theater actor, you know that your audition book is the most important thing that you own. Whether you're an aspiring actor in high school, a college student getting ready for summer stock auditions, or a professional gearing up for auditions in a big city, your audition book can make or break you. Desperate for some audition book inspiration? Dozens of students are finding massive success with my online course, Build Your Musical Theater Audition Book. As a student of the course, you'll gain access to videos breaking down each genre, including traditional musical theater, contemporary musical theater, and pop and rock, downloadable audition book checklists and templates to stay organized, multiple lists of song suggestions by genre and vocal type, tips on how to find the perfect audition songs, the ultimate guide to making audition cuts, and examples of 32-bar and 16-bar cuts in each genre. Ready to get started? Go to actoraesthetic.com forward slash book to learn more. Okay, you guys, we have a special guest again for today's episode, helping me out. Say hi to the world, Colin. Hi. <laughs> Wow, that was so fun. <laughs> wow, you seem like a bundle of fun, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> He's helping me record this episode, so give him a warm welcome. If you guys don't know about him, go follow him on Instagram. Colin Sanderson underscore official. Am I getting that right? Yeah, that's right. I'm getting that right as if he isn't my boyfriend. Um, so I held a poll on Instagram a very impromptu poll asking you guys for questions that you wanted answered on this week's episode. If I leave out your question, I do apologize, but I will get to it in the next few episodes. You guys left some really great questions that made me think a lot and fired me up and also made me do some research. So I appreciate it. And so if I don't get to them, we'll get to them in the podcasts to come. But I like having Colin on to the show every now and then because he offers a nice perspective on things that you wouldn't otherwise get from me. Um, a completely different perspective on a couple of things. Right now, Colin, tell the world what you're doing. What are you up to? 
Um, I'm performing at the Westchester Broadway Theater, which is in Elmsford, New York. Yes. So really just 30 minutes out of the city, and I'm performing in An American in Paris. Oh, American in Paris. Tell them about your audition process without going into too much detail, because this yeah. one was a whirlwind, but it, tell us tell us about your process real quick. It was, yeah. Um, so... Basically, what happened was um, through a friend, I got uh, invited to dance for like three hours with um, Joseph Coulinan, who is our dance captain in American in Paris at WBT. He's amazing. And that's when I first met Joey. And we just danced for three hours. And he was just trying to kind of like experiment with choreography because he was choreographing a show. And so it was cool to meet him and meet some other dancers. So that was back in May. And then I saw that WBT was having auditions. They were having them in August. And they seemed to only be having a dance call. And then I think for like principal roles, that was a private audition. They weren't actually holding an EPA. Um, and it was funny because that it was either that morning or the day before I got a text from Joey saying, hey, would love to see you at this audition. We're not having appointments, so come to the like come to the open call, basically. And I was like, great, I was already planning on going. So I went to the dance call, um, got kept through the entire thing. They had me sing, and the director choreographer actually wanted me to stay longer and learn another combination. And why, I why couldn't you stay longer, Colin? And I couldn't stay longer because I had a I had a shift at Lululemon. Oh no! <laughs> so I was like, I'm so sorry, but I have to get to work in like an hour. Um, so I couldn't stay, and then I heard nothing. And then for weeks, for, weeks, for months, for about a month, I didn't hear anything. Right. And and then I got an offer for the show. And it really kind of came out of nowhere. And we started rehearsals in a week. And I was rehearsing in New York City and now performing just 30 minutes out of the city, which is really cool. And what were you doing at the exact same time? Oh, I was also moving. <laughs> I was also <laughs> trying to find my own actual apartment in New York City. Um, and I did. Hmm. It was very stressful, but, but you did I made it happen. And you're working. Yeah. Isn't so awesome. Yeah. Good it's cool. I'm really, really proud. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get to these questions, shall we? Okay, this first question comes from Claire. She asks, How do you find regional theater auditions to get those EMC points? If you don't know what EMC points are, and you haven't heard me yell about them for the past few podcast episodes, go and check out the first few episodes I did on Actors Equity Association, EPAs, ECCs, and EMCs, all of those lovely acronyms. But in terms of finding auditions, especially regional theater auditions, Colin, how do you go about finding those auditions? Uh, there's several sites you can use. Um, Playbill.com has um, a bunch of listings, and you can categorize it by region and city. Uh, Backstage is really great. Um, if you're in Chicago, Chicago and probably LA have very specific websites that you can go to like LA auditions or Chicago theater auditions. Um, 
But I believe if you're not in a big city, backstage can work that way where mm-hmm. you can put in your location um, and specifically like the radius within that location to to see what auditions are near you. They don't need even need to be in Chicago, L.A., New York City, Philadelphia, like Seattle, big cities. But what were you saying about? Well, and if you're looking for specific theaters that offer EMC that are mm-hmm. part of the EMC program. If you go on the Actors Equity website, there should be a list of those on there. Perfect. I think I actually also have a list. I believe it's actoraesthetic.com slash EMC. If you go to that link, you should be able to find the list. I've linked that exact list from Actors Equity. I've put it on my blog as well. So either go to Actors Equity, go to mine. I don't care. But both of them have the exact updated list. It's in PDF form from Actors Equity of all of the theaters that participate in the Equity Membership Candidate Program. So if you want more information on Actors Equity, the EMC program, or that list, go to their website. They have a lot of information on that. Um, Next question. Oh, this is interesting. This comes from Bella. She says, this might sound crazy, but do you have to be a part of an acting union to perform professionally? So I would consider, okay, so to clarify, I would consider performing professionally as getting paid to perform. That's it. Doesn't matter where you're performing, what you're performing as, but as long as you're getting paid to do it in some way, whether it's getting paid in meals, sometimes sometimes TV and film, like short films and stuff will pay you not in money, but in meals and um in footage from the show for from the 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 film or the the short film or whatever but in theater in the theater world you will most likely get paid for the the job that you're doing but Colin answer that question do you need to be a part of the union to get paid professionally no and there's several non-union theaters um some of them are very very well known and do very high caliber work. Um, one of them that immediately comes to mind is Prather Entertainment Group. Mm-hmm. They have the Dutch Apple in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and um, the Broadway Palm in Fort Myers, Florida. And they also do na- uh, national tours. Um, so they're a really good one to look into. Um, and several companies only have a certain amount of equity contracts to hand out. So right, if you're so- auditioning for and equity theater, they do hire non-union. So you can perform professionally, get paid for what you're doing, work at a union theater, a union franchise theater, and still be a non-union actor. Mm -hmm. Maybe you are completely non-union. Most likely, though, if you're working at a union theater, a union franchise theater, you can be earning EMC points, but you can still be non-union. Even if you're... So if you're a member of the EMC program, you are still considered a non-union actor. So that debunks the myth that you have to be a part of Actors' Equity Association to perform professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to another question. This comes from, oh, this is so cute. Olive Tree 614 Any tips on not burning out as a BFA musical theater student? Mm. I love this question. I get this question a lot, actually, in terms of just 
being a professional? Like just how do you how do you not burn out as an actor in the theater industry in general, but specifically in terms of studying it for college? It's a whole different beast. It's actually harder, I think, yeah. not to feel burnt out. Yeah. What do you have to say about that? College was probably the hardest years of my life. Yeah. Um, it was very stressful. Loved my program, um, but it was intense. Mm-hmm. Um, BFA, a BFA in musical theater is no joke. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work. Um, but what helped me in terms of not feeling burnt out and wanting to give up um, was in the grand scheme of things time management so scheduling my time out where I for myself I know I need to take breaks and I need to have a day to rejuvenate so making sure I have time set aside to focus on me whether that means for me I love like watching tv I love um, taking walks I love exercising um, things like that where I can refocus my brain on something that's relaxing mm-hmm. um and then I'll and then I can come back to my studies for school and f- still feel focused and um eager to continue to learn and right yeah. and if you're someone like me who went to just a normal public high school I didn't like have musical theater classes in high school or anything Colin was a little bit different he went to Orange County School of the Arts and he it was basically a conservatory program mm-hmm. in its own way. Um, for me, I went to high school in just a normal high school that cared much more about uh, football and <laughs> sports than the arts. Making that transition to studying musical theater full time as a as a degree was very shocking. Though I will say, I I mean, I loved it. I. I'm just obsessed with musical theater. As you can see, I've literally run a blog about being an actor, (laughs) but it was definitely a major transition. And so some of the things that I had to figure out for myself was just what Colin was saying. What is going to exercise a different part of my brain that has nothing to do with musical theater? Um, And so I would often put my energy into other things to combat that. Um, One of the reasons why I started my blog, even though it has to do with theater, was the fact that I wanted to exercise a different part of my brain, and so I started taking classes that had nothing to do with theater, had all to do with things that I enjoyed doing as well, like writing and and learning, learning about media and um, online platforms and search engine optimization, things that truly have nothing to do with theater. Um, I would even suggest seeking out other hobbies because you can also meet other people outside of your program even if it's still in the theater department outside of your program that are going to take you outside of your comfort zone and force you to not only use a different side of your brain but to just completely use a different side of your personality you're not focusing so much about musical theater competition within your program and stuff like that that can really that negativity that can really seek into your brain and burn you out really fast. Instead, you are building yourself into a more well-rounded individual, which I think is so important to discover for yourself, especially in your college years. 
This next question comes from my girl, Maddie. She says, where are summer stock auditions and what are the requirements to audition? So this is a very broad question because there are multiple different ways that you can audition for summer stock. Basically, what I would consider summer stock is any theater that holds multiple shows over the summer. They audition for multiple shows over the summer. Auditions typically take place in January through... April. April. Especially in New York, that's kind of the height of audition season. But there are a couple of unified-like auditions that happen across the country. Can you speak Mm -hmm. on some of those, Colin? Yeah, so there's... uh... It's almost like college auditions, really, yeah. where um, all instead of colleges, all these theater companies will come to one location and audition, spend all day auditioning people for their theaters. And then you'll have callbacks that same day. And um, usually they'll happen kind of regionally. So they're kind of called conferences, um, to use a broad term. They're held in New York. Uh, The New York ones are straw hats. Mm -hmm. Um, There's one held in Memphis, Tennessee every year, which is called UPTA. I've done that three years in a row. Wow. Um, Truly amazing. Um, Love how they run their auditions, and I've booked a lot of work from them. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also Midwest auditions. I've never done that, Um, but those are really good. There's NETC and SCTC. Um, as well. So just to reiterate, you have straw hats. Those are primarily non-union theaters or theaters that hire non-union actors. You also have the United Professional Theater Auditions, which is what he was saying earlier, um, otherwise known as UPDAs. Um, the Midwest Theater Auditions, which are known as MWTA. You'll see that a lot online. The New England Theater Conference, which is the NETC that mm-hmm. happens up in New England and Massachusetts. And the Southeastern Theater Conference, which is SETC, which is pretty much the same thing as NETC, but it's in the Southeast. It's in um, Tennessee. You also don't need to feel like you need to attend all of these conferences because what happens is a lot of the same companies will go to either two or three, maybe all of them. So you might be being seen by the same people. So just go to the ones or the one conference where you feel like these theaters I would be right for, I'd be right for their season, I'd be seen by a large majority of them, um, and also just kind of see what your budget is. But True, because it gets expensive going to these, and also there tends to be an application fee for most, if not all of them. Yes, there's an application fee, and sometimes they have, a lot of them have pre-screenings now. Right. Um, so if you've never been to them, you would need to send in a video. Mm -hmm. If you want more information on this, I have a blog post out. It's called, uh, five audition conferences for summer stock employment. It goes into more depth on each of those that we talked about. I will link that in the description of the podcast and in also the show notes. But I think the biggest difference between these sort of regional combined auditions for summer stock The difference between those and unifieds for college, the national unified auditions, is that at unifieds for college, you are auditioning for each specific school separately, whereas for these regional combined auditions for summer stock, 
you're most likely doing it in front of everyone at one given time. Does that make sense? So it's a good way to save money because you're doing your audition for everyone at one given time versus going to each theater across the United States. Or if you live in like a theater hub, you can audition for them if they ever go have auditions held in Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. But I would say that's the biggest difference between unifieds for college and unifieds in a way for summer stock. You can also, if you do some research, this is easier said than done, but if you do some research, I would look into theaters that either are near you or theaters you've seen audition and see if they accept video submissions. Oftentimes they do. At a lot of non-union theaters, they accept video submissions. They're not theaters that are required to have equity principal auditions or equity chorus calls in big cities. So often they will cast from video submissions, especially if they're in the middle of the United States and their talent pool comes from all of the United States, not just from that central location. So I would go directly to these theaters to see if they're accepting video submissions. Oftentimes they do. And they typically are just looking for either for you to sing or read from the show or just to send them your best 32 bar cut. Moving on to our next question. This one comes from Nicole. Any tips to still pursue and keep going with your passion when people drag you down? Hmm. That's multifaceted because oftentimes when I feel a person or people in my life dragging me down, it's in my mind, if that makes sense. So I'm thinking that people are expecting me to be at a certain level or to be at a certain caliber or to be at a sp specific point in my career, but it's in my mind because I'm putting that own pressure on myself. Um, but I have definitely heard in the past people who aren't in our profession ask me, what I'm doing, what shows I'm doing, what was the last show I was in, what am I doing now, things like that where they're, they're asking me, it's twofold, they're asking me what I'm up to, but also if I'm not doing a show at the time, it's like they're expecting me to have an answer for why I'm not doing a show. And often that feels like they're, it's a negative energy that they're putting on me. They're asking me why I'm not, um, quote unquote, succeeding in the industry. Have you ever had someone though, Colin, in your life that has outwardly said to you that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing or that you won't succeed at the level you want to succeed at? Um, not really. It's more so I'll get the comment of people. If I say that I'm an actor mm -hmm. and they'll say, Oh cool. What are you performing in? Or what, what do you do? And I'm not in a show currently. I'll say, well, I'm not in a show right now. Um, I'll probably tell them what I previously did. So like if I did a show maybe two months ago or even a month ago when it closed, I would be, I would say like, I just got back from performing in blah, blah, blah musical at this theater and I'm back at auditioning in the city. And, um, if you've gotten a callback or whatnot, telling them that, um, 
but really auditioning is is probably 90 (laughs) percent of the job as an actor so you just kind of have to be okay with with that and also telling people that and not seeing it as being a failure and that you're not succeeding right and also I mean to go back to your question I've definitely felt people in my life question my choices of becoming an actor simply because so many people have said well it's impossible to make it as an actor you're just going to be a starving artist you're not going to make enough money to succeed the chances of you succeeding in this industry are so low I get it it makes sense I mean really the amount of people in my life who I've seen try to pursue this industry and then decide that it's not for them simply because it's not the lifestyle they want to live um, because it is a challenging one to live and you often have to have other sources of income to sustain yourself especially when you're living in a big city and and pursuing it professionally but tips for dealing with that I mean you gotta just let it go you you just have to build a thick skin um this industry is hard enough and you hear so many rejections daily that it's nearly impossible to succeed and stay in the industry if you have a thin skin and you can't take it. Right. And you also need to just kind of reevaluate your expectation of yourself and your Mm -hmm. expectation of where you want your career to go. Because most likely um, your career will surprise you. Um, but also you need to be patient with yourself. I think that's really important. You need to realize that you're not going to be seen as quote unquote successful right away, especially if you're starting out, if you're a fresh college graduate, Mm -hmm. um, it might take years or like a few months until you book your first regional show. And then a few years until you book your first tour or Broadway show, it takes time. So just be patient with yourself and give yourself some grace. Right, because everyone's path is different, especially in this business. Moving on to the next question. This comes from Anastasia. How to not burn out, specifically, okay? How to not burn out when it feels like you're never getting seen. So what she means Mm. is that I imagine, Anastasia, you are either an EMC or a non-union actor, and you're trying to get seen at equity principal auditions, equity chorus calls, and how do you not get burnt out by putting yourself out there every day, every morning, whatever, and physically not getting in the room? Be very specific with what you audition for. Hmm. If you are non-union and you're in New York City, the majority of the auditions that you'll be going in for, they will either not be seeing non-union or they'll be typing you. Mm -hmm. So strategically going to open calls for theaters is really important because most likely you will get seen at the open call. So he means like non-union open calls, which by the way, if it's just listed as an open call, anyone can go to them. It doesn't mean just non-union. I think you went to one. An open call Mm because you couldn't go to the Collins Equity now. But um, at the time, he went to an open call that was just listed open call. And 
and he was able to get in, into that. Regardless, though, that's really well said, is that you have to... Be strategic with what you audition for. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say and would recommend going to the open calls and going to shows. I mean, this could always be different depending on the show and the theater, but going to calls where you think based on your research or analysis of the show and kind of how big the cast is needed for the show, you can kind of picture what how busy the call will be. Um, Because even though in New York it seems like every audition is packed, Mm -hmm. there have been those few where... They're just dead. They're dead. They're dead. Completely dead. And EMC and non-union get seen right away. Mm -hmm. Um, So you just kind of got to pick your battles a little bit. That's absolutely true. You have to pick your battles. Now, when I first graduated, I was EMC. So I didn't live the non-union life um, after school. So I can't speak on that. But I was EMC. And so because of that, I took advantage of the fact that I had a higher jurisdiction at EPAs than ECCs. If I showed up in the morning at an ECC and tried to get seen, I would be competing with the other non-union actors that got there probably way earlier than me. Because at the time when I was going into the city, I was getting there early, but I didn't live in the city, so it was more difficult for me to get there as early as some other actors. That being said, I took advantage of the fact that at EPAs, Equity Principal Auditions, regardless of what time I got there, as long as it was before lunchtime, I would be seen at the audition, time permitting, before non-union actors, even if they got there hours before me. So be strategic. Now, if you're a non-union actor, your best bet is to go to ECCs because at ECCs, all that matters is what time you got there and signed up on an unofficial list. If, e- if EMC actors get there after you, doesn't matter. They're not going to get seen before you. At ECCs, you are all considered the same uh, level. That being said, if you're doing all of that, if you're picking your battles and you're being strategic about what auditions you can go for, a really smart thing to do to help yourself not get burnt out is to put your energy into taking class. Every once in a while, I would sit around for hours in a day when I was EMC at Equity Principal Auditions, and I wouldn't get seen. But I had to stay in the city because I didn't go home until later in the day. I wouldn't wouldn't go home back to New Jersey. I would carpool with my dad, so I wouldn't leave until like six o'clock. So I knew I had to spend my time some way. And an excellent way was for me to go and take dance class or to go and see a show or to go and take acting class, do something that was going to exercise the, the ability and the need to perform, um, that I wasn't getting by getting seen in the room if I was getting sent home because there were just simply too many equity members at the audition or the creative team just elected not to see non-union. It was also really liberating for me to, if I wasn't seen at a call, instead of being pissed off that I wasn't seen at the call, I would go and get myself you know, 15 or 30 minutes in an, a practice room which you can easily get at Pearl Studios, at any of the Ripley Greer locations in New York. 
and sing through my material that I was planning to sing or even film myself doing that material because oftentimes you can use that those clips of you filming yourself performing um, in a rehearsal studio for video submissions. So I made it worthwhile and I also got out that want to perform. Moving on to our next question. This one comes from Mincy. She says, how to trust yourself and let yourself be. This is a very meta question. Mm. How to trust yourself and let yourself be. Hmm. I'm absorbing that right now. I'm not Me even too. sure how to respond. Because <laughs> I want to give you a really like beautiful, like beautifully worded response. But I'm not sure. I feel like part of it is being confident in your material and your prep work. Yeah. And trusting in it and just then just letting everything go. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of letting yourself be, I think reconnecting to your breath is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you're nervous, um, just taking time before you go into the room. If this question is related to auditioning, Uh um, grounding yourself and, um, finding your natural breath, um, and also kind of going back to what you mentioned before, it's really important to not compare yourself to anyone. Um, everyone's journey is different. And I find that when I've accepted that and I understand that my journey is going to look completely different than even people I went to co- college with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of a, there's just a sense of ease that, that you get when you just are completely at peace with what the universe is going to throw at you and um, how your path is going to be carved. And I think that kind of takes the pressure off kind of comparing yourself to everyone. And it's like, why, why did I get that? Mm-hmm. Or, or wanting that and kind of picturing yourself doing that, but then f- realizing, okay, I'm not where she's at. Yeah. And even in terms of like college auditions, like second guessing, well, why didn't I get into that school? Right. Am I worth it? Am I yeah. am I good enough to be in this business? Or why did that person get into that school but I didn't? Or why is my career not going this way? I I envisioned it to go this way ever since I was young. This is the way that it was supposed to be. Why is it not going that way right now? Well, maybe that's just the universe saying not yet. But it's not a definite no mm. ever. Even if you don't get into a school, it's not a definite no. It's not the end of the world. Um, But in terms of, now, if you're asking this question in terms of life, in terms of your decision to be an actor or your decision just to, like, want to be in this field in general, I, I would recommend to go back to your why. Remember your why. Remember the reason why you started performing. What drew you to musical theater or theater? in general what show did you see that really made you want to do this or what show did you first get cast in or first fall in love with that wanted you to become an actor and perform you sat up like you wanted to say something more oh no (laughs) that was cute I thought he was like really excited but (gasps) alas he's he's like lost in thought I think right now yeah 
He's lost in thought. I am too, but I mean, honestly, in terms of life, just remember your why. And again, easier said than done, especially when you're faced with the pressures of this business and of performing. But if you can go back to a younger you that fell in love with musical theater, embody that, remember why you did, remember the shows that you fell in love with and the late nights that you spent researching those shows. I mean, I remember seeing Les Mis, I think, when I was in sixth grade, and I spent like hours on end just sitting in front of my my computer in the basement of the house I grew up in, and I just like researched all the bootlegs I could possibly find at Mm. this time, which was like in 2006, I think, which was hilarious, but like finding all the bootlegs I could find on Les Mis, finding all the concert productions that I could find on Les Mis, just like completely immersing myself in that show simply because I loved the show. I loved seeing it on Broadway. I wanted to do it. And I just completely fell in love with musical theater. So for you, remember your why and trust the process. Okay, two more questions we have from Molly. Thoughts on typing hmm, via resume or in the room and how to best prepare for and make the most of it. Personally, okay, I haven't, have you ever been typed before, Colin? No, so I don't think I can speak to it. Yeah, (laughs) and I've only been typed once. So I don't want to like speak on this as if I'm a super expert, but I will say that I love typing because you know then and there, right then and there, like it's instant gratification whether or not you are going to be considered for the show, considered for the theater, whatever. And if you're not, you get your resume back, you Mm -hmm. get your headshot back, that costs money. And when you're an actor and you're trying to save money, you do not want to be spending extra money on things for a headshot that's going to be thrown away into the garbage anyway. And so when you're typed, you instantly know whether or not you're going to be in consideration. Um, That being said, how to prepare for it, there's really no way to prepare for it. I mean, sometimes I've heard of stories where people will have to go into the room and give their headshot and resume and the director will just look at them. Like they'll have people line up in a line of like 10 10 people and the director will look at you and say whether or not you will be kept. From what I've heard uh, in situations where I've been on auditions and maybe I'm early um, or they say that they're going to type non-union. Um, from my understanding, they've just collected their headshots. That happens often and, well. and done a, a cut or like a type out by just looking at the headshot and not actually like seeing the Right. Actor. So what he means is that, and that I feel like that happens more often than not is that when a creative team de- decides to type um, mostly non-union actors. It typically typically happens if you're at an equity audition and you're non-union, but they want to see non-union, they're just going to type you. Um, you often give your headshot and resume to the monitor who will give it to the creative team in the room, and then the monitor will come back with headshots of people they asked to stay and people they, they said that's all they need to see. Thank you. And again, it's great because you... <laughs> Don't have to waste your time wondering if you would ever even be in consideration for the show. 
Sometimes I wish they would do that actually in, in, in most auditions because mm-hmm. then you know right then and there. And again, many auditions, at least that I've been to, I'm pretty sure the creative teams aren't even looking for actors at that given moment. Oftentimes the shows are already cast or there's maybe one or two slots they need to fill, but the majority of the show is already cast, especially if it's a show that's currently running or whatever. Um, and so having the ability to type would be great because then, you know, you would know if if you, it's even worth it to yeah, go to yeah. the audition or, or even go into the room. Now, um, but again, to prepare for it, I mean, all you can do is just walk in with an open mind because when you give your headshot and resume and you give it to the monitor and the monitor takes it into the room, all you can do is wait. Like, it's not like you can control what they, what the creative team wants or needs in that given moment. Maybe they're looking for a specific track and you either are the wrong type for it, the wrong height for it. Maybe you don't have the qualifications. Who knows? You will never know because creative teams will never say. (laughs) I've not experienced that once in my life where they say, okay, we're only looking for this type of person. Thank you so much. (laughs) And even if you were to get typed out, if you look around the room and try to figure out in your mind why certain people were typed in and certain people were typed out, you will never know. You will never be able to figure that one out. Even if you think, I've got it, I know exactly the type of person, you will never know because you are not them. You are not the creative team and you're not in their mind. So it's, I'm, I, I wish I had an answer of how to prepare for it, but as long as you just show up, you're doing your job. Yeah. You're doing your job. As long as you show up and you give your headshot and resume, you're doing your job. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, finally, our last question. This one's interesting. Tips for actors who start later in life. Hmm. Number one, don't be discouraged or have low self-esteem because you started late. And don't make excuses for starting late. Like, it's just your own process. And I actually really admired a lot of actors who start later in life. Um, especially those who like got a regular, a regular quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, like BS or master's degree. And then they later wanted to go into acting a lot of actors, film and TV actor, TV actors, probably some of your favorite actors, uh, in movies and such, didn't even go to college for acting or musical theater. Um, And also another tip would be just to learn as much as possible. Um, Ask questions, um, read books, take class. And I'm actually jealous of actors who start later in life because acting is definitely you get better at it as As you as you age because you have more experience you have more things in your toolbox to pull from more memories or emotional vulnerabilities that you didn't necessarily have when you were like 16 Mm -hmm. um but now that you're like 35 40 you you've lived some life Mm -hmm. and you can connect to material more because you've probably have experienced what 
this what is going on in a particular character or a movie or a show yeah you have to trust in that trust in the fact that because of your your aged and your very hard-earned wisdom you actually are at a semi advantage because whenever you're playing your age or younger you have experiences that the character may already has in the show or whatever but you have experienced either what they're going through or a similar emotion feeling time in their life you have that advantage over younger actors that are gunning for for roles that are older than them them than them simply because you have lived a life. And um, I just pulled this up because I thought this was interesting. I didn't want to paraphrase and think of random actors that made it big or started later in life. Um, so here's a list of a couple that really surprised me. Alan Rickman was 46 when he finally became a known figure in the industry. Jenna Fisher, who was in um, The Office, now, she started young, but wrote a book about it. She was a struggling actress growing up. And then didn't really, her career didn't really take off until she was 31. Um, Judy Dench, Brian Cranston, Lucille Ball, Sean Connery, Melissa McCarthy, Sylvester Stallone. I mean, these are big names. Kristen Wiig, Jeremy Renner, love Jeremy Renner. Morgan Freeman, Ricky Gervais. Lots of people, Harrison Ford, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey was the first one that came to mind. <clears throat> she didn't even, I don't really think she was a big name in the industry until she was 34, when she literally wrote and starred in her own movie, <laughs> which is incredible. But yeah, I mean, these are some really incredible names of people that either didn't start until later in life, like had a life before they decided to pursue theater or it took them some time to really gain momentum. And again, it goes back to the fact that everyone has a different path. You don't have to go to school for this. You don't. I know many people who have not gone to school for this and have been on Broadway like seven times, seven times more than I have. And so it's, it's when it comes down to it, it's your path. It's your life. You know, for me, I wanted to go to school for musical, th for musical theater simply because it was the right choice for me and my life. I knew that I wanted to get a degree, and I knew that I wanted to um, get more training that was going to sustain me through this career. But that's not, this, that's not to, to take a stab at anyone that decided they wanted to go to school for psychology or science because I know plenty of people who did not study musical theater at all and have made a really incredible name for themselves and have had a great career. So on that note, that's all for today, folks. This has been a much longer episode than any of my episodes normally are because I often struggle listening to myself talking <laughs> <laughs> by myself so Colin I appreciate you coming on tonight and helping me out with this one you're welcome Aww. he's so sweet if you like Colin on this show 
you better DM me and let me know so we can have him back on because I love when he comes on the show. Anyway, that's all. I appreciate you guys shooting me DMs about the podcast, reviewing the podcast, and um, more importantly, giving me some awesome questions. Those are some really thoughtful and thought-provoking questions for today's podcast. I appreciate it, and I love you all. If you've enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at Actor Aesthetic, and share it to your Instagram story. I love to see who is following along with me there. For further inquiries, email me at maggie at actoraesthetic.com or shoot me a DM at Actor Aesthetic. If you're not already a member of the Actor Aesthetic tribe on Facebook, you are missing out. Go to www.facebook.com dot com slash groups slash actor aesthetic tribe. Don't forget to hit subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode is released. And if you haven't already, please leave me a quick review. Until then, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.